0: Here we go. Happy Friday. Happy March. Um, it's another Nudge Coach happy hour. I'm here with the one and only Mac Gamble. Mac, how's it going?
1: Good. I'm here. It is Friday. We made it.
0: Imagine <laughs> that. I can't believe I'm hanging out with Mac Gamble. That's, that's what On we On a do. Friday. Yep. At the
1: same time, we always meet.
0: Same bat time, same bat channel. Is that the expression? I don't. I don't think I got that. Something
1: right. like that. That's <laughs> uh, something like that. Uh,
0: man, another good week. Another good week in Nudge Land. Uh, this is getting fun, man. Um, so, I wanted to repeat what we did last week. Though we talked about this a little bit right before we jumped on. Uh, last week we got into a little tech talk right in the beginning of some new stuff that you had, you had come across specifically that was really interesting. Um, some. Some big tech companies, Apple and Google, and how they might be dabbling and sticking their toe in the water in the coaching space. Um, now we've got interesting announcements like Twitter talking about rolling out the Super Follow. Yeah, thing. this is
1: getting this is getting juicy,
0: and this could get interesting. We wanted to at least open with a little conversation about what this could mean for, mm-hmm. for coaches and coaching. Uh, this this kind of concept and shift and and things that are growing here. So, what do you think? Where do you want to start here?
1: Well, first off, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we more of our episodes are going to start having stuff like this because I think what you're going to see is more and more more companies in more maybe more of the traditional consumer space starting to get in, interested with coaching. And I think they're going to have different spins on it. I think there's going to be things we like and are valuable and things we don't like and we think are completely worthless, but they're worth talking about. So that's the main thing. <laughs> so I think my first question, so anyone who missed it, Twitter made the announcement about the super follow or super follower. Um, basically the idea is they're going to get to a point. You can have kind of a payment wall for a different tier of follower, essentially. So think kind of membership area. Think um, if you're familiar with platforms like Patreon, that type of experience where it's not just free people following you, you can actually you know, charge money for people to follow you. Um, I guess the big question here, is this a an appropriate? Is this an appropriate or a value add for coaching? Is this appropriate for coaching? It's a good question. So it, this may be my
0: ignorance and lack of vision at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, this really feels like something that the most of the coaches, creators, the, the folks that we yeah. deal with on a day to day, like they're not going to be ready to take advantage of this, right? Like this is we'll this four, like, four
1: followers it's going to be tough to monetize yeah
0: something for <laughs> the, the one per the one percent or one percent of one percent even um to really start you know ramping up and monetizing their audience that they have on this on this platform great for those people um how this trickles down over time is pretty interesting and, and mm. i think it just that continuing release of and launch of new models like this is is a trend to keep an eye on for everybody we've had you know patreon you mentioned um really seems to be something that's sticking um i know you you know pay to follow or
1: listen I to think it's five dollars a month to follow my uh yeah my podcast guy yeah west ham baby do it yep, yep. <laughs> west ham way i'll have to call them out here on this uh on the podcast yeah um only fans,
0: another example um, at this point, maybe that's kind of saturating with Instagram models, but it, you know, another great example of a space where um, it's a platform that launched specifically to allow people with audiences to monetize that attention that mm-hmm. they're getting. And that's not many steps removed from, being a coach, thought leader, someone who's an expert in a space, and yep. projecting out basically that knowledge to an audience of people, um, and hey, communicating like that to an audience, there's there's a hell of a lot of parallels between being an influencer and being a coach yeah. if you're doing it in
1: a certain way. And I think we've talked about this more and more partners we work with, and I think more I think about the calls I have kind of week to week with with new coaching companies or new coaches coming in. Um, Are getting into what I'd consider kind of a maintenance plan membership type model, kind of post programming. So someone comes in, they sign up for your 12 week program, you build a relationship with them, you kind of migrate them over afterwards into like your, your maintenance plan, essentially keep them on some kind of lower cost subscription. So totally makes sense. I guess this is kind of a little bit of different from that. So the question would be, if you're working with someone already, is this value, you know, you've got, the Twitter super follow, is there a way in which a coach can take advantage of it? It seems like it's a, maybe if anything, validating that idea of having a ongoing financial relationship with someone who has interest in in the content you're creating is the Twitter super follower. Is that the, is that the vehicle? Yeah, it is fascinating. So I find myself sitting
0: here asking who would I pay to get more tweets from? Basically, which that is probably a gross oversimplification yeah. of what Twitter's doing here. Yeah. <laughs> it's I
1: that's a good question. That's good what question.
0: comes to mind, right? And that's the first question I find myself asking. Yeah. Right now, as I sit here, I say not a lot of people but I don't know that that's not going to rapidly change as this yeah. kind of takes off.
1: So it's so, really fascinating. <laughs> so here's, yeah. So here's why like how I got captured in the whole Patreon thing, just to kind of tell that story mm-hmm. real quick. So there's a podcast I've been following for, for years at this point. And so, you know, beauty and podcasts and other content, you feel like you kind of build relationships with these people. So like, I feel like I know them and they started with the way they did it is they basically just cut off part of their, they kind of went like a little freemium model. It was actually pretty clever where part of their podcast was for their broad audience. And then they saved some of it. That was like the really juicy stuff. This is for like soccer transfers for a team. I follow West Ham mm-hmm. um, for the paid part. And like I said, I'd been following for a while. I want to support them. It It's not just written content. It's podcast content in there. They have videos. So for this type of relationship, I think it works really well, and they can have thousands of people. They can easily engage thousands of people. Um, if they didn't have that type of relationship, though, to your point, like if I hadn't listened to them for two years, if I'm just following someone on Twitter, is the hook strong enough mm-hmm. to get me to commit? Yeah. I think you have to have the relationship. I think you have to first.
0: Yeah, it's it's it has to. It feels like it has to be kind of a a. a really high value kind of connection building content that's being developed or like a you know a breadth of kind of channels or ways of delivering content that you want to get access to all different kinds um or like how much of the value here potentially as these kind of things evolve is like in the content itself and and how much is in the like community that Develops around getting access to these things. That's not maybe something mm. that's being leveraged as much directly by these things. Yeah. But as you think about it for coaching, I feel like having people going through these experiences at the same time, sharing stories, sharing experience has a lot of value on the peer to peer engagement level. This is, I think, the like I nerd out over group coaching specifically because mm-hmm. the internet has this inherent ability to bring people together in a community feel. Um, social is something we figured out quickly on the internet. And, and that's compelling. And you can mm-hmm. kind of leverage that on top of the stuff that you do with coaching and the way that you can build a relationships. So it's kind of piling value on value. I think there's an element of that that isn't quite in, in these platforms quite, or maybe it is, and I just don't know yet. Um, but when that's really folded in, I wonder if that might be another kind of way that this kind of starts to take off.
1: Yeah, you know what this reminds me a little bit of, because here's a question, because I feel like for a while, um, a lot of coaches were relying on Facebook groups. And with the kind of exodus off Facebook, the appeal has really you know gone down because I think what we see now, it's no longer the convenient solution, right? It was It's convenient when everybody's already on something just to kind of have a little bolt on where you say, hey, you're already on it. Let me just kind of rope you into this group. I think with something like, twitter super followers and these others it's tricky if you're if people aren't already there and i think twitter had has a really interesting story because i feel like a lot of people have twitter accounts and i feel like there's a while where twitter i'll admit i thought twitter was not going to make it and i've always really liked the twitter story and i always rooted for them versus some of the other social media companies but this is another case though like i do you see a coach saying after you know hey we've phil i've been coaching you for three months Hey, let's go ahead and pull out your phone. Let's let's make sure you download Twitter, and we're gonna guide you into my my maintenance plan membership here on Twitter. Like, is that how does that come across? I'm just
0: yeah. I don't think that's the that's the way that plays out. I think this eventually becomes like a discovery. Like you just a platform funnel. the borrowed platform, like mm-hmm. the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, that's that's your borrowed platform, right? People are collecting there already. You're just getting yeah. in front of them. It's the access to an audience. I think that's all discovery mm-hmm. and early kind of relationship building. Um, I do think it gets super awkward if you try to go out of your way to like use that after a coaching relationship to yeah. kind of push people back away for a membership model. It's
1: um, better as like a I guess. More of like a top of funnel free, you know, you've been pumping out content, bring yeah. someone in, yeah. That's how I see it, and it may
0: yeah. it may play out differently, but that it what one of the things that you're hitting on that's interesting is the like the the kind of creating your own separate space for your white glove kind of experience, mm-hmm. your kind of uh, owned platform versus owned perceived anyway platform versus your your kind of borrowed platform like these these social media uh, places. Or um, mm. how how coaches can can leverage those. I mean, I have always thought of kind of the borrowed platforms as the top very top of funnel. Um, get in front of people, start yeah. you know building some trust, and then maybe you get them into a program somewhere yeah. else on your kind of dedicated. So place. yeah. Um, but I think maybe, maybe there is a way to like push them back out if they're already there. Um, and, Hey, our membership model is through
1: Twitter. Just go back yeah. there. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Cause I think a lot, when we get asked this question all the time, I always say the lower cost membership model, I tend to find works way better as a follow-up to your initial program. Cause you already have a relationship with them that to do things on the front end can sometimes be awkward if you're trying to get them to take those extra steps to like join a platform. I think that's exactly to your point, where that's I see the value here for sure. If you are a person who's pumping out content already, you already have a following, and you're thinking about kind of your funnel in, ter- in terms of how do you get people to go from just being a free follower to someone who's going to pay you money. I think something like Super Follower is a great next step in that funnel to further see, kind of further define who are the people that are actually maybe serious, maybe real fans, willing yeah. to support you, maybe, maybe a c- potential customer long term um, but yeah I, I think it's awkward from a coaching standpoint to go from hey we're coaching here we're using something like nudge or we're using TechStream or whatever you're using to then onboard them onto twitter for your like, that <laughs> that feels a little strange yeah now
0: i think we've got this down this is a, primarily going to going to be a great top of funnel activity i mean it is great it's you yeah. know people who are already there kind of self-selecting yeah. as interested it's it's like running a challenge as a promotional tool without even the barrier of getting someone onto something for the yeah. challenge it's great um let your audience narrow itself into the people who are who are really mm-hmm. good fit fit and serious and you can just uh pepper in the points of of conversion the asks to mm-hmm. see who's ready to take the next step into working one-on-one with you or working in your group program or whatever that is. I, I, Mm -hmm. This is going to have value. The question is just who's going to be, who are going to be the people who benefit from it and how quickly does that come? And I, I'm excited to see how it
1: plays out. I think it's, I mean, I I like the idea. And I think you're seeing this in other places. Like I know, I think about, um, like, I I think people generally want to help and support those that they appreciate and are fans of. And I think even if it's, several dollars a month or $5 a month, I think is what I pay for on that Patreon membership I'm on. Like it's, it's not going to like allow them to quit their day job just for me giving that $5 a month. But I think if there's someone who's, you know, you, you genuinely believe in or in support and want to see them be successful. I love the idea that, Hey, if they, they have a following, you know, those $5 multiplied by a thousand or thousands of people can allow them to quit their day job, to keep producing great content, keep entertaining or keep whatever they're doing providing value. And yeah, there's something here. And my hope is it's really going to further enable the creators. Um, but yeah, it seems like right now, this is more for those people that have, you know, maybe Twitter Twitter famous, have a following. Yeah, This is the next layer in the funnel. So I guess we would say this is not the ideal follow-up to your program onboard people onto Twitter.
0: seems seems clunky to me, but if someone wants to, if someone out there out there wants to prove us wrong, I'm I'm ready to see that happen. We um, should,
1: we should see I I'm gonna if you are doing that or planning to do that, please let us know because I would yeah. love to talk to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reach out to the show. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Podcast at Nudgecoach.com. Um so I was gonna say what's funny, a little bit funny about what you're talking about, you know, you want to contribute to the people who you're following and you're mm-hmm. fans of um what's kind of interesting about this is, this is basically the pbs model it's like the public broadcasting mm-hmm. saying every now and then having their kind of like hey if you like the show please donate we're brought Hell to yeah. you by viewers yeah. like you it's just like a less kind yeah. of you know kind of
1: old school do version
0: it. of that Innovation can come from some weird places. Yeah. Um,
1: Wikipedia. That's, I mean, Wikipedia's model too. I that's, mean, that's true.
0: Um, yeah. The best, I mean, the first kind of creative individual, at least that I saw doing this. Um, you familiar with Dan Carlin? Heard that, Dan yeah. Carlin yeah. had a podcast, a political podcast for a year. Oh, like he is one of oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. earliest podcasts that was pretty big that I can, that I know of. I'm sure, mm-hmm. I mean, there have been a billion. Probably a building, others. Yeah. But, it every, every episode from the very beginning, he was like a buck a show. It's all we ask. And just asking for a buck a show. If, if people like it, yeah. To donate. And he absolutely made it work. <laughs> so I, that's one of the first I saw. And it's funny to see that like be kind of built into a systematic yeah.
1: model for people to take advantage of. Man. It's it's, you know, one thing I've, I've kind of picked up on too, just from the the podcast. I listen to that. I'm a Patreon of, um, was how much hearing them talk about on the segment of the show, that's just for their paid audience Mm. is how much more, you know, I think the consumer market is very brutal. I mean, I think anyone that does a lot on social or has, has built up a product before consumers are ruthless. I mean, there's, there's rarely do you hear positive feedback for every one piece of positive feedback you hear, like how you've, you've made someone like, you're the worst thing to ever happen to them. Like, you know, that's just kind of what happens. But I think what was so interesting is they were talking about how something like Patreon was so refreshing because they were starting; to, it allowed them to start engaging with their sec, segment of the audience that actually was
0: like
1: being human, you know, human beings that were actually like interacting with them in realistic ways, in being like respectful and appreciative. And so it, yeah. it kind of allow you know it allows you to kind of break a wave and kind of really identify who those people are. Um,
0: yeah, which quiet which, some which, of the noise. The, yeah. Yeah. I think that that definitely sounds appealing. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So if you're someone who has a million Twitter followers, I think this is a good idea. Yeah. Okay. I like it.
0: We we've decided we're in on this on this concept. I don't have a million top Twitter of funnel, followers.
1: Not for follow up. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. How it
1: goes. Yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've tweeted on Twitter in 10 years. I i'd have to look it's maybe more recent than 10 years but i'm just gonna start tweeting at you and see what happens see what happens yeah that's dull. a good way to do it i think my <laughs> first twitter account actually got canceled because i hadn't used it for so long there you go yep
0: um okay any last thoughts on that i think
1: i think i think we touched on that and that'll be a fun one to touch on during instagram There's a lot of live, wait and yeah. see
0: there for us for sure but we yeah. wanted to it's just fascinating i wanted to open with it
1: yeah, let us, let us know what you're thinking on that because I think it's uh, you're starting to see it across other platforms that's going to be popping up. I think I've heard rumors like Facebook and some others are going to, oh, well, like I've seen, I follow um, a weather WX Risk for, on Facebook, which is a guy in Virginia who is like a weather guru. And he's right when all the like local stations are wrong. And um, he does like a tip jar on there sometimes. So I guess it's kind of the same concept. He's got jar. hundreds of thousands of followers. who will kind of throw a tip jar on there. And it's someone that provides great content, great value. And it's something that, you know, it's not a membership, but it's something kind of same way. So I think we're seeing it in other systems as well, that freemium type of idea. We're yeah. all, I think we're all, you know, we all have our own experience, our own expertise. It's great to see more and more systems allowing us to really enable that. So, yeah. and monetize it. So,
0: nope, I like it. It's empowering. It's an, another layer of the creator economy, which we've yep. mean- been talking about quite a bit
1: so relevant to the coaching world so keep your eyes on it um yeah. i think the other idea or the other item you want to touch on today i think was simplification of client experiences
0: yeah i mean so here's here's the thing here's the this is kind yeah, of what, a, what prompted
1: it, this i guess yeah. is the question
0: well don't get whiplash here everybody we're transitioning from the future of all this stuff tech that, talk
1: is over we're transitioning yeah. <laughs> to new topic
0: tech talk ends now let's talk about some coaching stuff so I don't know. One, one of the interesting things, so we, we kind of try to circle back on sort of trends that we see um, on these episodes. And, um, you know, one that we talked about a little bit, I think last week was kind of people, once they just start building, you know, they, you know, start creating, they mm-hmm. start building some momentum. Another common one that I think actually is connected to that in some ways that leads to the, like the hesitation, hesitation to start is that coaches have the tendency to map in their heads the most complicated program possible um, just because they know so much about the subject that they're working on. And so what we find ourselves doing a lot and so much in fact that we added it to like the core values of our company is helping people simplify kind of the complexity they've built out Mm -hmm. in their programs. And that gets even more important now that we have this kind of program building platform uh, where you can really kind of paint yourself into a corner if you're getting too complex and building in too many layers, because you want to be able, one of the advantages of technology is the ability to run something over and over again and learn from it, and iterate and improve. But if everything is like from day one, incredibly elaborate and automated and woven together together, this tapestry then you're going to have a real hard time learning and iterating on for example like the your tracking protocol versus like your Mm -hmm. content um so there are some things you can do to simplify and actually benefit from simplifying in Mm -hmm. terms of engagement and success in your programs um so yeah just wanted to dig into some of those ideas things that that maybe people can do who we've talked to I'm, i'm sure we could come up with some at least examples of of complexities that we've seen benefit from some simplification and areas that people can look into to Mm -hmm. to yeah
1: strip out some of the complexity and simplify yeah it's i think i think you touched on i think that's probably one of the the biggest things we're seeing right now As I think about some of the implementations that come up is how do you take what's in your mind right now or maybe what you've been doing in a more kind of low-tech approach and how do you kind of Translate that into a nice, elegant client experience, and it it reminds me of the exercise we all remember from school, where you know writing a lengthy pa- well, I struggle to writing papers in general, so th- this isn't going to be a great analogy from my perspective. But they always <laughs> say writing, you know, now like writing a shorter paper is much harder than writing a long one. You know, yeah. it's it's to have to be forced to condense into something that's one page to make a point and prove it and be effective is incredibly difficult. Um, and I think what we see is with a lot of coaches when they're kind of making this transition is the same type of thing where it's, it's almost like a deer in headlights in some cases. And I think some really are great with it. It seems like we, we see this kind of different buckets, if you will. There's, I think there's coaches who are great and could probably monetize this in their own way, which I'm really intrigued with program creation. I think yeah. they get it. They, they like can knock these things out and others aren't as good at that part of it. Not to say they don't understand what their clients need, but the act of creating an elegant client experience is a skill set. I mean, I don't think every coach is good at that by any means. And so I think that's where it's been interesting to see. And I know you saw it in the mastermind working with the different coaches is how quickly some people really were like the, cre- the cre- like really kind of grasped the creative side of it and were able to create some really neat experiences while others really, not to say they weren't able to put something together, but just some, you know, maybe not as easy for them to really create something that their client would be able to easily get through
0: yeah and just to to kind of continue on that on that thought about creativity in general and how it's been playing out so I read this kind of uh know, is it a metaphor it's a a mental model for how to think about your creativity and, and this rings so true um sort of in the and this I where I read it this had to do with the writing the process of writing mm-hmm. and uh, this guy, Julian Shapiro, I think on, on Twitter shared, shared this and I read more about it. And the concept is basically imagine your your creativity is basically this like city water system that's backed up with miles and miles of like sewage that you have mm. to pump out before you get to the clean water. And so uh, like, you just need to start putting pen to paper and start filling yeah. out the sewage first and then eventually all the, the clean water stuff comes is flowing really fast.
1: That's a really good analogy. I hadn't heard that. Yeah,
0: it was really good. I, I, I probably mm-hmm. didn't nail that perfectly, but um, totally resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And I find it's, it's true for sure when I try to start, you know, tackling a long blog post or anything like that, you have just all this stuff. And the only way to get it out is to get it out. Like, just yep. Yep. Um, but you know, one of the things that tends to happen from that is you end up with more complexity because you keep too much of the stuff that you spit out at first. Um, and you're just layering it on more and more, um, it seems like it's getting harder and harder for people to, to actually face trade-offs and pick one or the other rather mm-hmm. than just saying yes, and yes, and yes, and over and over again. Um, so yeah, I think there are some, some specific areas I, I would say that, you know, you can, you can kind of start if you're looking at your program. I mean, specifically if you're starting to build things into, into something like nudge coach one area to be careful for sure is interweaving too many different things, like your content and your tracking or, or accountability protocol. Mm -hmm. Maybe consider keeping those two things kind of separate at first. Um, And the reason for that is because they each kind of play a different role. Mm -hmm. And so when you are early, you want to keep them separate so that you can learn whether, you know, the specific content you're putting out is valuable on its own yep and whether the tracking Mm -hmm. is the right tracking on its own and as you learn you can iterate on those specific things if it's all meshed up and interwoven together then it's going to be so hard to learn Mm -hmm. what is the issue if something isn't working as well as you thought it should or when you iterate Mm -hmm. you know which thing that you iterated on um cause the improvement or the, or the, you know, step backwards. So there are some simple things where you can avoid painting yourself into a corner with program creation that I think is valuable, especially up front.
1: Yeah. I think the, I think when I'm if I was going to take a step back and going to just reflect on some of the things I'm seeing right now, um, it seems like if you can get a good welcome card together, meaning that when a person signs up, what's that welcome experience, the first thing they see, mm-hmm. I think having a nice welcome message with a welcome video. I'm a huge fan of welcome videos. I think it goes a long way to further humanize, especially when you're thinking about setting the stage for something that's going to be more remote or asynchronous. Yeah. So I think about a nice card that pops up little video of you. Hey, super pumped to have you here. Hey, and you know, set expectations, touch on some of the thing, you know, it doesn't need to be more than a minute, but I think that's a nice starting point. And then to your point, I think even if you have like one solid tracking, card, like if you have most people follow a similar tracking protocol, even if like the targets are different, but at least you have a good sense of kind of what the primary focus of the program is going to be um, kind of those two cards. And then maybe just several good content cards
0: mm-hmm.
1: that can, that can really get you going. And I think that's, yeah. it was, it was funny. I was thinking when you were talking about the whole idea of kind of the sewage and the water, I distinctly remember, I was on a call with one of our white label partners a few weeks ago and we're kind of going through card creation and you could tell she was a little bit, a little bit hesitant. Like, I think I can do it, but not completely sure if I can do it. And I had a follow-up call with him yesterday and it was like, boom, she had 10 cards there. And like, she was having fun. She's like whipping around with it. And I, I, it really hit me that I think so much of coaching and program creation historically has been this very vanilla, boring clinical, um, like very, uh, I, I mean, it's no wonder clients have always had a hard time, you know, yeah. following program. I think it's just been a very, it hasn't been incredibly interesting to a client, I, even, even if they really have a ins- inspirations to change or hit certain goals or milestones or whatnot. I think the way in which we've been historically engaging clients has just been v- like a very suboptimal experience. Yeah, And okay. so I think now that we, we technology has gotten to the point, we can actually do some neat things with it. I think the, like as we've talked about it before, 2021, I'm I'm just dubbing and theming the the year of the client experience. So I think we just hoping to really start a movement around this. I'm not sure if it's going to pick up or not, but 2021 year of the client experience. And I think there's some neat things that are coming together.
0: Yep. No, we'll just, we'll just keep saying it until it becomes a movement. Becomes so it becomes true. 2021, the year of the client experience, mm-hmm. keep focusing on it. Um, no, I mean, I think there's an important kind of core point underlying all that, which is like it's all well and good to like design a protocol that we know works. If you get 100% adherence, Mm -hmm. but does it work in real life when you can't assume 100%? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. People are, are the variable when you're putting a program out there in the world, not the, you know, shouldn't be kind of does the process work if it's 100% adhered Mm -hmm. to, that's not the issue anymore. Right. Um, And yeah, so what you're saying is absolutely critical. It's the, the game changer. If we can figure it out, then um, that's it. That's it. We we will have solved all the world's problems, basically.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Client experience. Simplicity, can't stress it enough. Don't throw too much at people too quickly. And it's. Yeah. I think that's actually been a really interesting learning as we've kind of launched. The program builder has been the almost, and I've only seen it a handful of times, is almost like a, the pendulum swinging the other direction of like, coach is having too much fun building cards, too many cards being shared, which is kind of funny to think about. But I've definitely been on some calls where it's been like half a dozen cards being shared each day with a client. And
0: yep, just saw the other day myself.
1: Yeah, I I don't. I don't have any data points to suggest that's not super engaging. My first thought was it seems overwhelming, but maybe it's not. Um, The we'll just have to see keep our yeah. eyes on it. So. we'll find
0: out soon because obviously we'll be, we'll be tracking this stuff, yeah. but it's only existed for what we're going on a month right now.
1: Yeah. I think this is so. week five or something. Yeah. yeah.
0: We'll, we'll see folks. The The so. data will tell a story at some point.
1: What else is that? Is that it for the week? Well,
0: no, let, I, I think there are a couple more kind of specific things maybe we could drill into. I wanted to at least leave with a couple of specific examples. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I talked about keeping, you know, tracking protocols mm-hmm. separate from content. That's good. help you iterate, simplifies a little bit. Um, even as simple as like your tracking doesn't need to be like some performance goal-based thing always or some elaborate journaling thing always. You talk about mm-hmm. this a lot, like. Sometimes it's just valuable to have your clients say, yes, I did this or no, I did. not
1: <laughs> Don't underestimate the value of simple adherence. Like simple. If you don't need super granular data, like maybe you do for the first two weeks. Yeah. If you don't after that stick to simple things, yes, no's multiple choice questions. How many times did you do something?
0: No, it's great and important to get a baseline. You got to understand that stuff, but that shit gets old pretty quick for most of your clients. Um, and yeah, after that, you're there to keep them on track. That's literally what, you know, you're being paid for other than uh, and you may entertain like Mac and me do because we're entertaining, but you know, in the end you're, you're keeping them on track because it's really hard to motivate yourself to do this stuff every day. If, if that, if motivation wasn't a problem, then everybody would hit their goals and and grow every day and be basically a bunch of Einstein's running around. But, um, that's not the case. That's, it's a huge part of your value. It's, it's almost like a a bit of humility that coaches really good coaches show up with every day is Mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, yes, they're experts, but they need to find a way to, to live in the kind of beginner's mind in their own area of expertise, communicate simply Mm -hmm. and understand that they're just a guide to get people to where they want to go. They don't have to overthink it. Sherpas of people. Complicate it. Reminds me of a quote I saw recently. I keep coming up with quotes in my head, which is weird. Um, I'm not going to remember who said this shit. I apologize in advance. Someone said something along the lines of complexity impresses your peers. Simplicity impresses your clients. Yes. Love that. I have heard that too. Yep. Love that. Yeah. Um, So that may be a very famous person that I didn't get that out to. I hope you know who it is. If you're listening, send us a note. Um, What else? I mean, the only other like top of mind simplifying thing that I can think of is just, um, you know, not being overwhelming with your messages and your actual like asynchronous communication. Mm -hmm. Um, We've probably hit that enough. But if you are sending kind of long, elaborate kind of multiple points in your your messages that you send mm-hmm. to your client who is getting them on a phone and reading them on a phone screen you probably want to take a step back and just say okay each message should have one specific focus one specific point of feedback one specific ask and I should get out of there um, and that will have a ton of value if you can just do that
1: yeah i think if your if your message is longer than the phone screen there's probably a problem
0: yeah yeah, that's that's yeah that's a good mac for sure yeah message longer than phone screen get rid of it you had another one the other day
1: that I really liked that I'm blanking on that I feel like is really relevant I used to say rule of a tweet but I think it's yeah I think what just sometimes drives me crazy and we've all been there though is the text conversations with friends just scroll back to some of the recent text exchanges you've had with friends and think about the ones that you were texting and the conversation stopped yeah. conversations stop because you've like someone has someone has uh failed to like provide a question at the end of a message like there's nothing prompting the user to kind yeah. of cycle
0: somebody cycle. just said okay
1: yeah someone said okay that's exactly what kills all conversations once someone says okay um i see the same thing in coaching communication all the time and it they don't think about it but really every almost every one of your messages should should probably have some kind of you know call to action basically yes yeah. no um well how do you how, how do you feel whatnot and it's if we don't have those question marks you're you're almost hamstringing yourself yeah. by you know you're just going to be one step behind if you're not even putting a question in so
0: true and but it's it so on, the time. It's on you as the coach to to keep that you know thought-provoking that action-provoking conversation going like that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of your role too so yeah question mark is your friend oh you know what i was thinking of was mm-hmm. uh when you said the act of tracking shouldn't be more complex. Than oh yeah. Itself. So yeah. I was thinking about a tracking thing you said, but that was, that was pretty awesome. Too. Still, like,
1: still relevant.
0: <laughs> another good machism. There you go. All right. There you go. Macisms aside, simplicity aside, I think we got through that um, pretty well. Do you have any other things we need to hit on
1: today? I think that was it for this week. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see next week. I know we've got a lot of calls getting scheduled and looking at the calendar. Um, be interesting. I think a lot of different types of initiatives popping up. Starting to see some people in different realms of coaching. So interested to kind of learn to see how coaching within, you know, mental health is like versus coaching in fitness or nutrition. Maybe take some learnings and lessons from some of these different ones and see kind of what makes what creates the optimal coaching experience.
0: Yeah. That's what we're here to do. All right, guys. Well, um, appreciate you hanging out with us another on another Friday. I hope you're listening to this on the Friday. We're about to kick it over to Mac's Instagram account, Mac underscore Gamble, and uh, do a quick recap, precap, recap, precap.
1: Recap, precap.
0: One of those things. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this on or watching this on YouTube, check out the podcast version. You can pop it in on a drive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Lots of, overcast people i'm seeing out there lately (laughs) people seem to like overcast cool on you you can even (laughs) listen to us at 1.2 speed i won't be mad um and if you are enjoying the podcast but want to see our faces and see that we're real humans you can watch us on youtube too channels just nudge coach um but appreciate everybody we'll see you again next time